Thank you for tuning in to the Everyday Christian Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad, which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, we show that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. Here is your host, Chase Green. Hello and welcome to Season 4, Episode 20 of the Everyday Christian Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Green. This is Season 2 with the Scattered Abroad Network of Podcasts, and I'm certainly thankful to be a part of Scattered Abroad. I hope that you'll go and check us out at scatteredabroad.org. We're going to continue our discussion on mentorship this week with Brother Joey Davis from Roanoke, Texas, and we've been talking about men who uh, did mentor other men in the Bible, and and then also those who did not mentor uh, subsequent generations uh, that are listed in the Bible. And we're going to continue that discussion for this week's episode, as well as continue talking about some other factors that play into mentorship. So I hope that you'll stick around and continue this discussion with me and Joey Davis on mentorship. What about uh, some other guys uh, that might be a bad example in in the scriptures regarding well, mentorship? You know, I don't know that all of these situations are exclusively mentor situations, but what happened in these relationships at least gives us a good principle right. about mentorship. And so I think about Saul and David, you know. Uh, the song that the women were singing, Saul is slain as thousands and David is ten thousands. And First Samuel chapter eighteen nine says that Saul eyed David from that day forward. You know, there was no celebration of a young man who was rising up in the ranks and being successful, who could be a good leader among God's people. He became jealous right. of him, and that's one of the principles of mentorship that we've talked about from a negative perspective that has to be avoided at all costs. Uh, think about David uh, with Solomon. And, uh, you know, First Kings chapter 11 and verse 1, Solomon loved many women, right? Well, what do most Bible students know about David? You know, his adultery with Bathsheba. So how much of an influence were David's choices in that regard an influence on on Solomon? Uh, so we have, you know, you have to think about the influence of the older and their choices on on the younger. Uh, Solomon Rehoboam, you know, I've talked some about that. First Kings chapter twelve, verses six through fifteen. Um, the Bible's really silent on that relationship. There's not a lot about Solomon's interaction with Rehoboam, and perhaps. There's nothing to report there. You know, maybe there wasn't much. Right. I think about how he did write Proverbs, right. though, and he says over and over again in that book, my son, my son, right. and it's a book of wisdom. Right. And then his son is very unwise in how he handled the situation with the, the workers, and basically they revolted after that because uh, he listened to the young folks around him. The older, wiser people said, look, you need to— uh, Give the people rest because they're tired. Your your father worked them hard. Give them rest. The young people said, no, make them work even harder. Exactly. And they rebelled and it split the kingdom. Yep. And that, you know, is 
I would say the inexperience of youth right. versus the the wisdom that comes with time and experience. Right. And you know, something else about the the Proverbs, my son do this, my son do that. There's all of this instruction that's great, right? But it's from a perspective of telling. Some of the instruction needs to be from the perspective of bringing, right? Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4, uh, bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Don't send them, you know, don't right. tell them this is what they need to do. Don't it, shift to the responsibility. Exactly. And so mentorship, you know, it's about walking arm in arm and say, this is the way we need to go, not the way you need to go. I'm really glad you mentioned that because parents, we got to be careful. We don't need to shift the responsibility of bringing up our children to the Bible class teachers, right. to the preacher, to the youth minister, uh, to the schools. I mean, how, how much time do they spend in school? Uh, and, you know, what are we doing after school to make sure that we're bringing them up in that nurture and admonition and teaching them and talking to them about, well, you know, my friends did this today and that's ungodly, or or I learned this bit of evolution today and, and that's ungodly. We've got to make sure and be proactive rather right. than reactive or even worse, just not caring at all. Sure. You know, there's one other uh, example too uh, that, and this one, so mentoring is one concept, but then the content of the mentoring is something. What direction are you trying to take the person that you are mentoring? And that's very important too. And I think about the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23, verse 15, where uh, Jesus said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win a proselyte, and when he is one, you make him twice as much the son of hell as yourselves. So they they were mentoring, right? They were right. developing, but the content of their development, you know, was completely wrong. And I more it, harm than good, I guess. Exactly. And you know, sometimes older preachers may mentor for the purpose of getting a greater calling to a particular hobby or something, you know, or. Uh, Man, let me tell you about all these elders. Exactly. They're terrible. And, right. and they harden their heart toward right. the idea of elderships. Yeah, so mentoring is one thing, but your purpose and the content of it uh, needs to be genuine and, and productive for the good of the kingdom. Absolutely. That's a great point. What are some bad fruits that will result in our failure to mentor the next generations in the church? And are we currently reaping some of those bad fruits? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, as I think about that, one is, and maybe the one that sticks out in my mind the most, is the discouragement of a young preacher or maybe even destroying a good young preacher who steps on landmines, you know, and that could have been avoided had someone with wisdom and experience, you know, pointed them in a better uh, direction. I think a lot of young preachers. I don't, you know, I don't have any statistics for this. Uh, we don't, we haven't done any tracking of these kinds of things, but a lot of preachers just quit preaching. And why? It's typically because of a negative experience. And I wonder how many of those could have been avoided, you know, with some kind of 
effort to to guide them. Um, failure to understand why things are done in a certain way can destroy a congregation. I think that's another important area that uh, needs to to be developed through mentorship. Is if co- congregations are not perfect, right? You know, and they're and in every one of them, there are things that could be better and probably need to be better. Uh, but uh, you know, it's not probably not a situation where you could just come in and preach a sermon and, and fix it. Guns blazing. Uh, right, right. You you may do more damage if you don't have the patience and resiliency to to bring about change. Long long term right. versus short term and uh, congregations tend to be setting their ways on expedient stuff as well. Right. And if you come in guns blazing trying to switch things up on on the expedient matters of well, you know, we, we do visitation this way or, or we do evangelism that way. If you come in guns blazing and right. say, I'm changing that, that's right. that's dumb. Uh, yeah. Why I can't believe y'all do that. You're probably not going to be very successful, I would say. No, I, I agree. Uh, we've talked about this some too, seeing younger the younger generation of preachers as competition is, is not helping them, uh, you know, and not helping the situation. And... Quite frankly, there's a need to correct uh, younger preachers uh, sometimes. You know, one of the things that uh, I heard said repeatedly, you probably did because you had some of the same instructors as me, uh, if uh, one of them in particular would say, uh, brothers, if if you go out of here thinking you discovered something new in God's Word, you know, you, you haven't. Right. You need to be careful. And right. I see... Younger preachers uh, really, you know, not all of them, but sometimes coming up with ideas and really pushing those. And it's not that you shouldn't study, and it's not that if something was missed, you know, we shouldn't bring it to light. But the way that it's done is not helpful to the church. And uh, there are are often older preachers in that younger preacher's life who could kind of reel things in and right. provide some guidance and help that uh, oftentimes just don't do it. That's a really good point, and I've noticed things like that before. And I'll just say this: we got to be really careful because uh, I think it has to do with notoriety. Maybe, well, I want to be known as this guy that fixed this or came up with this. I can't believe people have overlooked this for so long. It's not about notoriety and no. being well known. It's about just, you know, quietly doing our work and uh, you know, kind of behind the scenes. I had a, a sermon I preached one time called Unsung Heroes. And that's what it's all about. It's the unsung heroes rather than the guys who try to make a name for themselves, I guess. Right. And you know, you you will be well known and you will have notoriety if you build up and strengthen the church rather than introduce things into uh, the brotherhood that are divisive. Right, divisive or, or flat-out false or, right. or what have you. Well, we want to uh, now go through some of those things in the list in Titus chapter 2 that we mentioned. And there are a whole bunch of them, so we probably only can spare about a minute apiece or so. Sure. But... Uh, we want to go through those sound doctrine. You have just a couple of thoughts on that. Uh, healthy, 
uh, strong in teaching, I believe is the, the idea there. You know, doctrine that is true to, teaching that is true to Scripture. And if it's true to Scripture, then it's going to build up and it's going to make the individual strong. It's going to make the body of Christ strong. Right. What about this one, sober? I think we usually think in terms of, you know, abstaining from drugs and alcohol, of right. course, which is important when we talk about sobriety. But also, I think we need to keep our minds sober as well, uh, free and clear from worldly things. Right. I think before you act is, you know, that's the problem with inebriation is you don't have the ability to think right. well before you act. So just set the alcohol aside and keep the principle, just your mental awareness and ability to understand the situation, think before you act, function through wisdom. Right, discretion. Exactly. And uh, being able to think things through clearly before you do something. Right. Yeah, I've, I've said often in talking to you know young people at church, if it's a sermon or just sitting around talking to them, I, I wish... Somebody in my life at a young age had just told me, think. You know, right. Just, if they just told me to think, you know, before you act. And that, that seems so simple and trivial, but it, it really is profound. A lot of the heartache and trouble that it is experienced, even by young preachers, could be avoided if you just be sober-minded. Think right. before you act. Before we act and before we speak, too. Right. Uh, what about this reverend? Uh, Malachi 1.6 says, A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, uh, God speaking there through the prophet Malachi, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts, To you priests who despise my name, yet you say, In what way have we despised your name? So that whole book is dealing with the lack of reverence for God, and that resulted in their disobedience to God and in their halfway attitudes of service and worship to God. So reverent, we are to be reverent. What do you think about that? Uh, I think serious, grave, and as you've pointed out, you know, the recognition of who God is and and honoring him uh, as such. There's a tendency toward casual, you know, in society and, and even in the church today and and I mean you I'm not trying to get into a discussion about what you should wear right. to church or anything like that because that's often where this discussion leads and it and it's completely missing the point but the seriousness and the gravity of the situation and so a preacher especially needs to understand the seriousness and the gravity of his his work Right, our, our attitude overall right, right. as it pertains to God and, and everything that we do in our lives. Sure. What about a temperate? And again, drugs and alcohol. <laughs> right. But uh, would you add anything? Uh, level-headed, you know, uh, dignified in the way that that you do things. You're not, you don't fly off the wheel, right? Right. You, you can sit and process and think things through uh, is, uh, I believe, the idea there. Okay. Uh, what about sound in the faith? Is that the same as sound doctrine or pretty close, or are there any different nuances to that, I guess? Well, just the phrases themselves, the, the idea of being sound, good, and healthy is the same, but uh, formally 
a doctrine is teaching, here we're talking about faith. Is So there's some difference in, in the language, but the principal idea I think is the same. Strong, healthy, uh, in faith. Um, maybe the idea of trustworthiness even here. Right. Uh, be a person who can be trusted and counted on. Right. And I guess kind of our mindset and our, our lifestyle. Right. Right. Lifestyle faithfulness. Yep. Uh, walking in God's light. Uh, what about in love? Uh, love the truth. Uh, I think that's uh, extremely important to, you know, buy the truth and sell it not. Right. Here. Um, love the church enough to try to help it move in the right direction, a direction that would glorify and honor God and, and save as many people as we can in the world. Uh, also, love people, right? With the mindset and the goal of building up, not destroying, right? And uh, I think of the two greatest commandments: love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, yeah. and love your neighbor as yourself. And somebody may ask, "You telling me those are the only two that are important?" And that's not the point of that at all. The point is. All the commandments are encapsulated in those two commandments. Right. And the way that you execute and carry out or bind right. the other commandments of God, that thread runs through Correct. the middle of those because right. it affects your attitude in doing it. Right. Love for God and love for others. Right. Absolutely. When you, when you preach the word in your instant in season, out of season, when you're reproving, rebuking, you're doing that with long suffering. Absolutely. Right. right. You love the people and you want them to change. Right. Speaking of long suffering, uh, in patience. <laughs> yeah. Able to endure and uh, have some stick to itiveness. Stick to itiveness. Yeah. I like that. It. There's another word that uh, probably needs some explanation in some, some <laughs> context. Probably so. Just the idea of. Uh, sticking to it. <laughs> right. Don't when you when you put your hands, whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. Right. right? Uh, stick to it, especially as a young preacher. Right. You right. Get into a congregation. You think, okay, I'm going to preach a series of sermons on this subject, and that's going to be the end of it. That's going to fix it. And right. And you quickly realize it. It doesn't fix it. That's just the beginning. Right. So do you give up and you quit? No. You st- stick with it. Stay in there and keep fighting that fight to. To bring about change, it's good. Oh, yeah. I was making a comment on uh, our alumni page on Facebook yesterday, and basically it's the idea of, you know, sometimes you preach sermons on a subject, and then people are nodding their heads. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then like a week later, they say something that's the direct opposite of what you just said. And I just, I don't know if you've ever seen a meme where that guy's just got his hands in his face. Like, I can't believe this. But that's sometimes that's sometimes how we feel, uh, I guess, as preachers. But we've got to be patient with people. Uh, they're going to, you know, when we're teaching things, it's going to take a while to, to teach is. some of the concepts that need to be taught. It is. And, you know, you have to understand and appreciate you and I, our job is to basically study God's Word, and we can do that as much as we want, as much as we allot our time for, uh, but the average member in the church is just not getting that kind of exposure, so help them fill that gap. Right, and they don't have as much time to study as we do, so uh, we need to cut them a little bit of slack. Right. We need to be 
We need to be understanding of that. Uh, what about this? Reverent in behavior. And he's kind of transitioning to the older women yes. now. So uh, reverent in behavior. Uh, appropriate, uh, respectful of God uh, and his word. You know, a lot of these have to do with the context to which they're assigned, right? So we've talked about the older men and some things that apply not that they don't apply to everybody, but specifically in that context, here are some behaviors and some attitudes that you can focus on to help the church. And now right. with the older women, uh, reverent in your behavior, you know, appropriate for for who you are and where you are in the church and what your influence could be. Would it be a stretch to say ladylike? I think not. I think right. that would be appropriate. That's part of it. Especially right. since they are mentoring the younger women, right. show them and help them see uh, from your experience why, you know, why it's better to behave this way. And unfortunately, I think there's a tremendous trend to not be ladylike, uh, especially in the young people that we're seeing today, unfortunately. What about this? Not slanderers. So slander is malicious speech. It's speech that has, to some degree in it the intent or capacity to hurt or to harm and uh, that kind of behavior slander will destroy a, a local congregation absolutely gossip backbiting yes. not given to much wine yeah so not enslaved to intoxicants and uh, you know some people want to make a big deal about the word much right there. you know it's okay to have a little but not much you know one way I try to think about this and, and emphasize it is you, you don't end up at the liquor store on the path to heaven. You, you you only get there on a detour, right? Right. You had to get out of the way in order to end up in a place like that. So, you know, don't, don't argue about whether or not this is saying, you know, be sober-minded, be at a state in your life where you have the capacity to influence for good and don't do things that are going to discredit your example and in, in your influence. Because if anything, will this, this will. Absolutely. And I think of uh, what um, Solomon wrote in Proverbs, don't even look at it when right. it swirls around in the glass. Right. So I think that's pretty clear. Uh, what about this, teachers of good things? Well, the idea there is of good things, things that are beautiful, things that are excellent, that are, are noble. So be a teacher, be an instructor in those things. And we all should look at our behavior from the perspective of how this affects the church. So what are some things older women can do in the church, whether directly or through their influence, that have those qualities? It's beautiful. It's excellent. It, it's noble. And each individual is different, so they can think about how they individually can f fulfill this obligation. Good thoughts. Uh, and now we tr transition to the younger women to be admonished. Uh, number one, love their husbands. Okay. Uh, this obviously is more than romance. You know, a married love is more than the the romantic aspect of loves of of love. Um. Husbands can get lost in their work and their business 
you know, and wives can resent that right. perhaps, or maybe through the, this instruction of wisdom, they can understand how to pull their husband back, you know, from, from the cliff and, uh, you know, to be patient, to be long suffering and these go both ways, but right now specifically he's talking about the younger women. Right. And I think it's important to point out that he's, telling the older women to teach or to train the younger women in these areas. So they're not inherent. You know, these are learned behaviors. So we're definitely not talking about love that's instinctive or felt. We're talking about a deep, uh, more abiding love that works for the good uh, and well-being of another. What about loving their children? Uh, yeah, you know, this is a, a two-way street, as we saw uh, with uh, Eli and his sons. There's the responsibility to teach, but there's also the responsibility to follow. But uh, And you can't teach those who are not willing to be taught. And right. So it's important to start early here with the children. And Absolutely. Training them and teaching them so they develop a pattern from a very young age rather than waiting. You know, Until and, it's too late. Yeah, and sometimes... Like I said, with husbands, they can get distracted from their family responsibilities. The wife can too. And she can neglect her children because she's focused on secondary things and not primary things. Maybe having that perfect HGTV house or something like that. And uh, I think we also need to make sure and remember, not only do we need to train our children and discipline them properly, but we need to remind them of the reasons for those things. And ultimately, we need to develop a love of God in our right. children. So yeah. that so that is the primary motivator instead of, well, I'm just scared of getting punished. Sure. What about uh, the next two, uh, discreet and chaste? And the topic that no preacher looks forward to talking about, but modesty, is that included in those? Yeah, I believe so. So discreet, to be sensible, uh, put some serious thought into what what you're doing, right? Right. And chaste, pure, you know, wholesome. And, uh, you know, you probably do a whole podcast on on the modesty subject. But I think there's one thing here that really should be pointed out. This is not saying... Preachers need to preach sermons, you know, every week to young ladies who are not being discreet and chaste, you know, and maybe not modest in their dress. This is older women training younger women. Why do you think that distinction is so important? Because I think it is more effective coming from not... Not that we shouldn't preach sermons on on these subjects. Right, we have that authority. We have that authority, and we should. But but the influence of older women doing exactly what Paul is uh, is admonishing here, I think, carries a lot more weight. Right, I agree. Yeah, because um, it's just it's easier to take it right. from an older lady in the church than a preacher, or maybe even one's own parents sure. for whatever reason. It just comes across differently. And, and even a man, you know, a dad, you know, he could look at his daughter's clothing and say, yeah, you you don't need to wear that. Right. Right. Rather than waiting till she gets to the church building and the preacher. Right. Yeah. I just think there is some context where instruction 
can be more effective and helpful right. than others. For sure. What about this one, homemakers? And that one's not not popular either. And you've got different opinions on exactly what this means, but right. uh, just kind of in general, what what should we point out here? It's not my understanding of this passage or other similar to this, that this is forbidding work outside the home. What more likely is in mind here is nothing can take priority over the home. I agree. That's the point I try to always emphasize here is uh, you can work outside the home. You cannot work outside the home. I think of examples in the Bible like Lydia, uh, the Proverbs 31 woman, uh, but this is the case. You should not be working outside of the home to the detriment of your home because the home should come first. You can be a stay-at-home mom and neglect the home. Right. right? So, and, and something similar is the case for, for men as well. Uh, yeah, you need to be a breadwinner. You need to, you need to bring money home and take care of your family and, and one who does not provide for the things of his household is worse than an infidel. Yep. But at the same time, what's more important, the material things or the, the, the spiritual things, the right. spiritual things. What about, uh, this one's very general. Good. <laughs> uh, kind. I'm just thinking of some, some synonyms here. Uh, kind, benevolent, you right. Know, that that's the idea. They're gracious, hospitable. I would, I believe would fall under that. There we go. That was that was a quick one. That's good. We need to make up some time. Uh, obedient to their own husbands. Yeah, try slipping that one into the marriage vows today. Right. So subject to his God-given role and authority and right. to support his mission. If, if husbands and wives will stop and think about the mission that each of them have, not just their own, but their, their mate's mission, and how important it is for them to succeed in that mission and to do what you can to help them succeed. Too many times when a husband and wife get cross with one another, uh, it their efforts turn into preventing, you know, the role and success of, of their mate. Right. We should be building one another up. And so the older women are to teach the younger women how to fulfill their role in the home subject to the God-given authority of the husband. Right. And uh, we don't have time to read through this, but cross-reference Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, husbands, wives, and children, we all need to read through that from time to time. Right. And there's a comparison there with with, uh, Christ and the church. Right. Absolutely. And and I think that would do us a lot of good to look at it from that perspective. Right. So the home stretch for this section of Titus chapter 2 now, we talk about exhorting the young men. We really already talked about sober-minded, so uh, let's go ahead and go to uh, showing yourself a pattern of good works. A model or a blueprint. So it's you know it's one thing to receive instruction. It, it's something else to see it, it modeled. And Jesus would instruct his disciples, and he would model it. Paul instructed Timothy. He modeled it uh, through his his behavior. And uh, that's important, you know, as we're talking about mentorship and all of these different contexts. Don't just tell me, show me. Again, back to Ephesians chapter 6, bring them up, you know, arm in arm, 
show me how it it's supposed to be done. Right. That's a, a very good point. Uh, in doctrine, showing integrity. Uh, integrity is uh, free from corruption. And so the doctrine of Christ is good to nobody if it's corrupt. Or ulterior motives. Right. right. If you think about a, a medication, if it's corrupted, then it's not going to serve its purpose. It's not going to do what it was designed to do in restoring the health of society. Right. Well, preaching the gospel is the same way. If you introduce contaminants into it, you create something that no longer serves its purpose. So exhort young men uh, to show integrity in, uh, in their doctrine and their teaching free from corruption or strange teaching and ideas. Right. The next two, we've, we've kind of really already discussed reverence and incorruptibility. And then, so that leaves us with sound speech that cannot be condemned. Don't give, and this is the way I think about this, don't give people the weapons to use to destroy you. You know, and if you think about this from a, a preaching perspective and mentoring a young preacher, you know, help him to see how incorrect actions can be used, you know, as a weapon, you know, they can be weaponized to, to hurt you. And that's why all of these attributes and attitudes are so important to be sober minded, to be temperate, to think uh, before you act and before you speak. Because once you say it, it's out there. Right. And it's really hard to reel it back in and undo the damage uh, that uh, has been done. A lot of hurt has been done to the church by older men and by younger men through rash, intemperate, not well thought out speech or actions. Right. All right, we're going to go ahead and stop right there and pause the podcast for this week. And Lord willing, next week we will continue our discussion with Joey Davis on mentorship. And it will be our last episode of the season next week on the Everyday Christian Podcast. We hope that you'll join us then. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Scattered Abroad Network. If you would like to email us, you can do so at thescatteredabroadnetwork at gmail.com. That's the Scattered Abroad Network at gmail.com. Remember, you can check the show notes below for all of our social media platform links. Also, don't forget that you can find us on all major podcast platforms and please leave us a rating or review. We hope and pray that this has helped you grow closer to Christ even though we are scattered abroad. May God bless you.